everyone, and welcome to episode 215 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we got a small crew this week. Richard couldn't be here with us, so I'm joined by Krim. How's it going today, Krim? Hey, morning, Seth. How's it going? Uh, going well, and uh, we got some surprise news. Heading into this podcast, I was a little worried that we wouldn't have much to talk about, but just this morning, we got the deck list for the 2019 edition of the Challenger deck. So we're going to talk Challenger decks. The new edition got the deck list finally today. Also going to mention some modern action. There was a bunch of modern tournaments over the weekends, two GPs, I believe, along with an SEG Team Modern Open. So I wanted to talk a little bit about where modern's at. And then, of course, uh, since we missed fish mail last week uh, with Seth Manfield on the podcast, we got a bunch of fish mail to get to, which we will get to at the end of the cast. So I think that is our main plan for today. Before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, which has recently launched a new course, The Art of Sideboarding, with Seth Manfield, who was on the podcast last week as a professor, and the first 200 people who get in on the course can get a 15% discount by using the code SIDEBOARDING. So thank you to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. You can find them at SpikesAcademy.com or at Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So with that out of the way, let's talk some challenger decks. So Grim, uh, have you gotten a chance to look over these new decks that just came out this morning? Uh, have you seen them yet? Yes. What is your initial take? Uh, I'm assuming you saw the ones last year. How do you feel this edition stacks up to uh, our past edition of the Challenger decks? I mean, this this year's edition like really captures like the aggro decks, which is which is fine. Like the mono white, uh, like a dual or. Um, deck seems to be pretty good uh like you, you have the four banalish marshals the two banalias history of banalia that is uh you, you have some you, it's like actually just pretty much the mono white list right like like to a t um but uh the other decks just seem to be okay like the the mono red deck only has one phoenix uh which is cool but you do get i guess like four goblin chain whirlers which is pretty nice um Otherwise, I'm not too huge on any of the other decks. Like, like you, you've looked at the Golgari one, right? Yeah, I've looked over, and we should probably say before we talk about it too much, the four deck lists are actually uh, White Weenie called United Assault, which is pretty similar. And all these decks actually are, uh, Wizard said, were designed based off of Pro Tour Guilds of Ravnica. So back in like October, November time, so a few months ago. So it's kind of similar to the deck that LSV uh, top-aided Pro Tour Guilds of Ravnica with. So White Weenie, Mono Red Aggro called Lightning Aggro, which uh, you probably know what this one is. Basically, a bunch of cheap red things, a bunch of burn spells. Uh, Golgari Midrange, which uh, kind of Golgari experience Explore theme. Uh, the problem with this one, and you're, you're going to get this, uh, is it does feel a little bit dated to me because of how the deck has evolved. And then the last deck is Arcane Tempo, which is basically, is it Drake's, uh, I guess, or is it Phoenix, sort of? Uh, so those are the four decks. But go ahead, Grim. What was what were your thoughts on uh, the Golgari list? Uh, the, Golgari, the, the Golgari list is like, it's cool. Uh, I just feel like it doesn't have any of the cards I really want. Like, there's no Carnage Tyrants or anything like that. Uh, if I were if I were buying this deck, I want Carnage Tyrants there. Um, I mean, otherwise, like the Golgari deck doesn't have anything but Vraska, 
right? Like that's that's the only thing that's cool and like maybe the fine finalities. And the arcane tempo list, I like it has only one arc light phoenix, so I would be I'd kinda want a few more than that. Like you don't have to give me a full playset, but like I think like maybe two arc light phoenixes would be pretty sweet. So yeah, with the Arcane Tempo deck, I actually did not expect any Arc Light Phoenixes, and I was pretty okay with that because uh it kind of goes back and forth in standard how the Drake decks uh which build of the Drake deck is most popular. We definitely saw like heading into the last Pro Tour, Pro Tour uh Ravnica Allegiance just a few weeks ago, that the most common build of Is it Drakes wasn't really a Phoenix deck. It was more Enigma Drakes and Crackling Drakes, and that was the style. Uh so I don't know. The one Phoenix doesn't really bother me too much. The big thing about the Is it deck is, uh, and about all these decks actually, is there twenty nine ninety nine MSRP? This is yes, there's no MSRP anymore, but this product was announced before they got rid of MSRP, so it does have MSRP, and they're being sold at some like Amazon. Also, I saw Cool Stuff Inc. for a set of all four decks for like eighty five to ninety dollars, which makes them twenty four decks twenty or twenty four twenty three dollars a piece and the is a deck in specific i plug the numbers into goldfish just to see how much it was worth and it's like 122 bucks like just arclight phoenix is like 30 bucks you get three sulfur falls is like another 30 bucks you get a couple of nib mizzets which are not super cheap and then even like the support cards like charter course is like a two or three dollar uncommon same with lava coil so the value, even though, yeah, the one Arclight Phoenix, I can see how that's a little weird, but the value is insane. If you can get this for 25 or 30 bucks, like, the single Arclight is worth more than this entire deck is going to cost you, and you get at least a semi-functional deck out of the deal. Yeah, like, I, I do, I do like, like, I'm sure the value, because I, I wasn't sure how much these were going to be, uh, like, val- like, like, to, to buy right at, the, like, right off the shelves. Like, the other ones, I think what, like, I was looking at, I mean, I guess I wasn't getting an MSRP, but, like, all the other ones were, like, around, like, 40, 50 bucks or something like that, if I recall. Or, no, they were, like, 30. I think they were 30. Yeah, I think some were more, I'm trying to remember, there was one, I think it had Chandra and Hazaret, which was really expensive, the the mono red one or the vehicles one, and I think that one sold for more than the rest of them. That one might have been, like, 40 or more, but I think most of them were in the $30 range. Yeah. I, for me, I really like just like out of the box. I think like just power level. I think United Assault is probably the best one. Yeah, I think I would go with one of the two aggro decks. If my only concern was I want to pick up this deck, I want to open it up, take it to an FNM and actually be able to compete. I think United Assault is definitely a good option. I also think that Mono Red is. It looks pretty close to the mono red deck that people have been playing. Like, it's got most of the pieces there, so I feel like that's another pretty reasonable option. I was kind of surprised in the mono red deck that we actually did get four Runaway Steamkins, and one of the things we saw last year with the Challenger decks is it seemed like Wizards focused really heavily on not reprinting playable cards that weren't going to rotate at the next rotation so i was not really i was i was almost thinking they wouldn't do mono red at all because they did mono red last year for one thing but also because experimental frenzy and runaway steamkin are like key pieces to that deck that are not rotating so i actually think the mono red deck is pretty legitimate as well the other two decks i think they're good but i feel like those are decks that 
while they'd probably be fine at FNM, to really be uh, near top tier with these decks, it's going to take a lot of upgrades, and especially Golgari, which Golgari's just not really a thing anymore. Like, I don't know if I've seen anyone play straight Golgari since Hydroid Crosses came out. To upgrade the Deadly Discovery Golgari deck into the current Golgari deck, which is Sultai, that's going to be yep. a lot of money. Yeah. Like, you'll need that, you'll need all, like, the lands, specifically the lands, and then the Krasis, of course, and then, you know, they're starting to play, like, one to two Carnage Tyrants on top of that, so that's, like, I, Carnage Tyrants, I think, still, like, 20 bucks or something like that. Yeah, I was actually, so looking at these decks, as far as omissions, I think in the Golgari deck, uh, Carnage Tyrant's a big one. I was thinking they would throw in one Carnage Tyrant. It is rotating, and it doesn't really see modern play or legacy play or anything, so it seemed like an easy one of, but instead, they went with Veraska, which maybe, I don't know, I guess like casual players like Planeswalkers, and Veraska's fine. The other card that surprised me in that deck is we didn't get any Veraska's Contempts, which is another expensive card that's heavily yep. played, and it's rotating in the fall, so that felt like another easy inclusion in this deck, but they didn't include that one either, so there was a couple of weird omissions. Uh, as far as the other decks, I don't know. I'm pretty fine with the one Arclight Phoenix. That's one piece of criticism I've seen a lot on social media is uh, one Arclight Phoenix, and that's weird, but when you consider, like I said, that some Drake decks don't even play Arclight Phoenix, and you could definitely build Is It Drakes and just trade away your Phoenix and play without that altogether, or trade away your Arclight Phoenix and use it to, like, upgrade your mana base, get your Steam Vents or something, which are probably a better long-term bet than Arclight Phoenix anyway. Uh, I feel like that's still... The Arclight Phoenix kind of helps you upgrade if you're willing to trade it away. Yeah, I mean, like, that that's if you were specifically, like, once again, looking to build Drakes, which is fine, but... Uh, if you wanted to build specifically Arclight Phoenix deck, I think you would still want, you, you would need to spend like another, what, how much did you say the Phoenix were? Like 30 bucks? They're each? like, they're like 30-ish each right now, yeah. Yeah, so you'd need to still invest like another 90, not including like the, uh, like the steam vents and stuff like that. So, so I'm gonna tell you, here is what you do. If you wanna play, is it Phoenix? What you do is you just buy four copies of this deck, which should be around $100 from the prices we're seeing right now. So you get yep. all four copies of your Arclight Phoenix, and then you're going to have like three extra playsets of Charter Course, which are like $11 yeah. right now. Three extra playsets of Lava Coil, $11. You're going to get 12 total copies of Sulfur Falls, which are like $9.50 a piece right now. So if you actually went out and buy that, and that doesn't even include there's three Entrancing Melodies in the sideboard, and that card's like almost five dollars a copy now because uh it's seen a lot more playing standard so i feel like that's how you build is it phoenix out of this is you just buy four copies of this deck trade away the extra pieces to get your steam vents and whatever and you end up having is it phoenix which is i should probably look at the price what is the current price of the tier is it phoenix deck um uh, almost 300 bucks 287 dollars you end up getting essentially that deck for a uh, hundred bucks or so if you buy four copies of the stack and trade away the pieces you don't need yeah i mean you could definitely go do that I, I guess i'm just thinking more like every time i get to these decks they're never what they they sell for like an msrp they're always like some kind of fixed price right yeah like, I, I, it's like yeah yeah i guess it's like 25 but i always find it for like it, it's like at the stores they're like 35 dollars or something like that i think that is one of my concerns with the is it deck is 
Uh, we've seen in the past that the most popular versions of the Challenger deck sometimes sell out and are harder to find and end up being more expensive. And I think that that's going to be the is it deck this time just because of the price tag. Like the fact that you get so much value, $120 of value for $30 or whatever, that means that uh, this deck is something that finance types are going to be looking towards too. Like uh, yep. even though they're designed for players to pick up and go to F&M, uh, people are going to be after these decks just for the free money similar to like the true name nemesis commander deck a while ago i remember driving to like every walmart and target that was in with like i don't know an hour or two drive and just buying every copy possible because you could sell them for like twice as much as you paid for them and it was just like such easy money (laughs) so but i'm a little afraid that that will happen uh with the is it deck the other decks i looked up the prices on those they're like eh, they're still worth it they're like 65 to 80 dollars i think with mono white being the cheapest if you had together all the prices but still i mean for 30 bucks and these ones are probably even more likely to not sell out and be at msrp than the is it deck you're still definitely getting your money's worth for any of these decks oh yeah 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 definitely i i i, I did notice though they left out a control deck so <laughs> i wanted to ask you about that because i know you're you're the biggest <laughs> teferi supporter on this podcast and if there's one complaint i've heard from people about these decks it is no teferi also no nexus yep. of fate i guess is like the secondary complaint that some people wanted that's fine uh, we're, we're, <laughs> what do you think about that Grim? is like the biggest teferi player i know uh i i'm kind of really sad because well first off that would also kind of go hand in hand with like you know the the missing Vraska's contempt like they can give some kind of esper deck maybe but three colors does require you to like start throwing in more lands than usual uh so you could just do like a blue white control deck right and then you just put a few to Tefer- like i guess one or two to fairies in because Teferi on his own is like 50 bucks yeah that's so. that's the problem that i've run into is how do you build like let's say let's say that they can include a copy of Teferi. Is there any way you can have a one Teferi blue white control deck that would still be at least F and M playable out of the box? Or do you think that that's the sticking point? Like Teferi decks want four Teferis, and just four Teferis is like two hundred bucks, and Wizards isn't gonna sell four copies of Teferi for thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting four Teferis, but I guess as I said, you could build it in like a blue white shell and you just what throw like Lyra in there also, right? Like just like a Teferi, a Lyra. <laughs> and uh like you know, like cleansing novas is like a few of those for board wipes. Yeah. And and, and just like use sinister sabotage, right? So you don't you're not like loading it up with rares like absorb and stuff. Yeah, and I guess you could have like Nezahal or something like that as as a backup finisher, which is cheap and still like a eh, somewhat reasonable control finisher that people use from time to time. If you were an Esper, like Chromium, I guess would be a possibility for a cheap finisher if you can't have four Teferis. The thing about once you bring in the third color, then there's going to be like a lot. It, like there's there has to be enough right out of the box of a reason for you to even want to buy the three color deck because the three color deck would need a, a decent mana base. Vraska's Contempt, Teferi, and, and, uh, like, yeah, like, th- those cards on their own would start adding up pretty quick. At least for, like, like $25. Yeah. No, that's very true. I think you'd end up with and a bunch of, like, guild gates and whatnot. And then, 
how playable is your deck actually going to be if you have to have like 12 guild gates to make the mana work? It's probably going to make it a lot less playable out of the box just because of the mana base, which maybe is why they focus so heavily on two color decks this go around. They did throw yeah. one shock land in the Golgari deck. So there is a shock land out there. Um, otherwise the other decks were mono colored. So not really much of note in the mana base. Uh, so Krim, you're going to an FNM. You can only play a challenger deck. Uh, you're taking the mono white one. Would that be your choice? Yeah. Taking okay. the mono white one for sure. What about, what about number two? Um, you know, I would pro, like, there's still just enough cards here to play the Drake's deck. Um, out of the is it deck, I'd probably grab that. Yeah. No, I think that's a good ranking. I think I would probably, I think I would probably go mono red is my number one choice. And then probably mono white number two. If my only concern was, uh, performing well at F&M. Uh, and then I think I would have Golgari at the bottom. I think that's yeah. the... That might be the biggest loser, I guess, which is funny to say, but <laughs> none of the valuable cards... You get the Overgrown Tomb. That's the one really chase card, I guess. Woodland Cemetery. The other cards are fine, but they're pretty much just standard rotating cards, like two Jade Light Rangers. Sure, they're worth a few bucks right now, but they're not going to be worth anything once they rotate. The Veraska is kind of the same way. So I feel like that's probably the least competitive out of the box, and... yeah. Probably has the least long-term potential, I guess, uh, especially compared to the Is It deck, which I think you're just getting you're getting like sixty bucks for Arclight Phoenix and Sulfur Falls, and that makes it worth it just to build your collection. Even and the Nivs, if you never even played this deck, it's something that's worth buying if you don't have a big collection just to like have these cards for Modern because Arclight Phoenix is like the best deck in Modern. Sulfur Falls is the one check land that's like a Modern staple because Storm decks play it uh, pretty consistently. So I feel like you get just a lot of collection building power from the is it deck even if you don't care about playing it i agree yeah i definitely agree with that that's that's for you see for me like uh, i guess when i think of mono red and like out of the box i i just think more like with how much golgari and salt is running around <laughs> Yeah. No, <laughs> I always get worried about playing that deck. No, that's that's a good point. Mono Red has definitely fallen in the meta a little bit, but I think this deck is actually, like, if you were going to play Mono Red at a tournament, this deck isn't that far off, at least the main deck, from yeah. what you see people running in competitive tournaments if they go with Mono Red. It's pretty close. Like, you don't... Yeah, Mono Red Steeler. isn't great, but you don't have to upgrade that much to have this be the best version of Mono Red in Standard. Correct. Like yeah, you, like as I said, you you only need like four skewer the critics. Like and that, that's yeah. pretty much about and that's it. That's <laughs> a, a random common that you can get pretty cheaply. So yeah, you'll find that on just like the like bulk people leave on tables. <laughs> yeah, pretty so. easy to uh, <laughs> yeah. to pick up. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Yeah, I I actually just found a playset laying around. <laughs> I, think, oh, I don't own these. I guess I'll just yeah. okay, sure. Yeah, I'll take those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other challenger deck? thoughts crim before we uh move on and talk some modern action uh no that, that we pretty much covered it except for yeah like just no to fairy <laughs> that's that was surprising well <laughs> i was expecting him to get reprinted yeah or i mean print it in here i guess we'll have to wait for a uh a future master set or something to get more to fairies i guess for me i would say uh, these decks seem like really good buys especially if you can get them for msrp uh 
you're yeah. getting a couple of pretty playable out of the box decks, and the decks that are less playable or need more upgrades out of the box have a lot of value in them. So if you can pick them up from your LGS for $25, $30, any one of these is a fine buy financially. And the two monocolor ones are probably, in my opinion, the best out of the box for just playing at FNM. Although, as Krim said, the Is It Drake one is not bad either. Like, it's a pretty functional deck. I just avoid Golgari if your goal is to play it right <laughs> yeah. out of the box. Golgari is like the worst one. And then, like, yeah, like you just, you can just chop the murmuring mystic and the arc light and stuff and then just play the drake stack go get some terramanders although i hear terramander is like five dollars it's been it has really been uh creeping up in price i think because it's been showing up more and more in older formats i think right now it's at three dollars it was a little higher than that but it's leveled off a bit but yeah it's been seeing yeah. some legacy in uh in modern play which is definitely helping prop up the price it was like 50 cents a month ago or something so yeah i, I realize i should probably also just go dump all my terramanders because i don't want them <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, speaking of older formats, we had a triple modern tournament weekend this week. We had two Grand Prix. Uh, we had a Grand Prix in Balboa over in Europe, also a Grand Prix in Tampa, uh, Florida, and there was a SCG Modern Team Open in Philadelphia. So, Krim. Uh, why don't you give us a quick overview on the modern action this weekend? I guess we could start it by, like, a, the first tournament, which is Grand Prix Tampa that I have pulled up. Uh, we have Grix's Death Shadow. Here we go. Get this. In so Grix's Death Shadow wins this tournament. But, follow-up, surprise, is it Phoenix? <laughs> um, and then it's Boggles. Then it's, is it Phoenix? Is it Phoenix? Is it Phoenix? <laughs> And then Lantern Control and then Tron. Uh, we'll just lightly go over the other ones where is it Phoenix one, uh, in Balbo or Bilba, uh, Bilbao? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and then Philadelphia SCG Open was also won by is it Phoenix? And then the classic for SCG was won by Grix's Death Shadow. So, you know, these, these events are split right down the middle between the, like, the winning decks, but mostly there's a lot, a lot of Is It Phoenix, and then there's even more, uh, Faithless Lootings. <laughs> Yeah, because there's quite a few dredge floating around in the top eights of these events, too, which is the other big Faithless Looting deck. Uh, I think someone broke down the numbers. Uh, they published, for one of the Grand Prix, all the Day 2 decks, and I think it was like 22% uh, Phoenix, which, in standard, that's not that surprising for the best deck in the format. But in modern, a lot of times the best deck is like in the 10% range, which means 22% yeah. is really high for modern for a tournament. So uh, the Phoenix deck is definitely good. I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to Sam Flack, the Lantern. Sam, Sam was one of the people that helped popularize Lantern Control and has played it for a long time. But it's funny because I haven't seen anyone play Lantern Control. I thought everyone that thought playing Lantern Control was a good idea played War Prison now, but Sam just still Lantern controlling people, still having success with it, with main deck Kaya, of all things, I as his that. finisher, so pretty sweet to see uh, Lantern Control doing well in the format again. With Kaya. With I, I, I'm just, like, so happy, like, Kaya, like, finally is getting somewhat, 
like Sam Black's got a second Kaya out of the sideboard too. So that's pretty cool. And Unmoored Ego. <laughs> I see two of those. It's pretty spicy with like Pixis of Pandemonium and stuff. You have, you actually have oh, a yeah. weird number of ways to incidentally exile your opponent's cards. So you kind of power up Kaya's ultimate and just hide behind bridge. And I, I expect you actually win with Kaya pretty often in this deck. Oh yeah. Surgical Extraction will also help with that. Ripping like copies of like four copies of certain cards. Like it's pretty, it's, it's pretty sweet. I, I've been seeing like mostly, uh, like with the Eldrazi and Texas in modern playing Kaya, which is okay there, I guess. But like in Lantern Control, that actually makes a lot of sense. It makes so much sense out of Lantern Control. Yeah. If Kaya's a card where I feel like if you can play her on turn two in modern, she gets so much better because then you're actually fast enough to potentially be exiling Phoenixes before they're killing you and whatnot. And Lantern, thanks to four Mox Opals and a million cheap artifacts to turn them on, it's actually pretty consistent at having three mana on turn two. So it seems like a, a really sweet fit there. So cool deck building, uh, and kind of evolution there from Sam. Otherwise, what do you think of this Phoenix deck, Grim? This has kind of been a topic of conversation. We just had the ban announcement, no changes, which we kind of all agreed last podcast makes sense with Modern Horizons and this Mulligan test coming up. How, with this, is it Phoenix deck? Is this one of those cases where the format's going to adjust and it's going to fall down and not be a top tier deck anymore? Or is this more a splinter twin where the deck is just so good the format can't really adjust to it, and it's so resilient, it's still going to be one of the best decks in the format, even when the meta adjusts. I think that, honestly, it, like, when the meta adjusts, it'll still be pretty good. Like, everyone will just, kind of like how Splinter Twin, everyone just adjusted by playing Splinter Twin. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, that's that's how they adjusted, right? Like, that, that was like, well, everyone's on Splinter Twin, and right now everyone's on Is It Phoenix. Uh, you can load up with, like, a bunch of, like, main deck graveyard hate. Like, you, you'll see the blue-white control decks that play main deck rest in peace. And, and yeah, it cuts out the Phoenix and whatnot, but it doesn't stop, like, Crackling Drake, Thing in the Ice. And, and like, it, it, you always think, oh, it'll be fine, right? Like, Thing in the Ice, there's no way. It's turn, it's about to be their turn three. How, how likely are they to flip it? But by now, I'm so used to them flipping it if you don't kill it right away. Yeah. No, I think I, that's ba- that's what the deck is designed to do, basically, is flip a thing in the ice really quickly, along with get back the phoenixes. I think one of the scariest parts of this deck is, in some ways, it's starting to feel a little twin-ish, because uh, it can actually, after sideboarding, if it wants to, it can just level you and take out anything that cares about the graveyard. It can take out the Arclight Phoenixes if it wants to, similar to how Twin used to be able to sideboard out the combo. And you see a lot of yeah. these decks with, like, Karanoses and Young Pyromancers and Jaces and more copies of, like, Pyromancers Ascension. So it can kind of go around your graveyard in Game 2 and Game 3 and basically play, like, a weird, like, thing-in-the-ice control deck, essentially. Like, a weird is-it cantrip control deck yeah. with a bunch of removal. And then you have all these dead graveyard hate spells. So it feels like just being like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna bring in eight, like, six graveyard hate spells, and I'm going to stick it to Phoenix. I don't even think that plan works with how the decks are constructed now, because they, they are built with this in mind and with a sideboard plan that completely minimizes the impact of you bringing in a bunch of graveyard hate. Yeah, that that's the thing. It's able to still stay around but the graveyard hate does help i mean the oh, yeah. funny thing though is how you're how you're seeing nowadays that like so much main deck surgical extraction uh and i i think that's just where so where modern is right now a card like that works and and in a specifically in a phoenix deck where you know hey another free spell 
<laughs> like at instant speed, like surgical extraction. I think that they're like, what is that? Right. I'm looking at the list by Matt Costa and it says like two of them are $125. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, surgical extraction is so expensive right now. Yeah, it is ridiculously expensive. And it's like that on Magic Online, too. I think it's like almost $70 a copy on Magic Online, which is just oh, absurd. Geez. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think I've seen people talking about bannings. People have still been talking about bannings, even though we just had a ban- uh, banner restricted announcement. I said this on Twitter earlier. I'm very firmly in the camp that we just need to wait out the London Mulligan rule test and wait out Modern Horizons before making any changes. And then I do feel like after that, if we're still seeing things be basically like they are now, then I think cards like Faithless Looting should be on a pretty short leash as far as how quickly they would get banned. Like, if they survive all these format shakeups and it doesn't change anything, then I would be more on board with the, all right, let's just ban Faithless Looting, be done with it, or whatever. Yeah. that I, I also am in, in agreement with that. I mean, I, I wanted some things. Like, there was, like, things I kind of wish they were like they were banned when the last BNR came out but at the same time much like everyone on the podcast had mentioned it makes no sense to ban stuff right now before London uh when we're testing out a mulligan rule and we'll see where we'll see what happens right will will other decks rise up or not i do you do you view like do you think is it phoenix will still be uh, a top like a top tier deck after the london mulligan i think so i think is it phoenix is a deck that it doesn't is benefit as much as some uh, decks from the London Mulligan rule, but I think it does benefit to some extent, and it's so good right now that even if uh, some other decks get better, I have a hard time believing that the M- London Mulligan rule is going to destroy Is It Phoenix by any stretch. Like, m- maybe some, like, Tier 2 decks crop up towards Tier 1 as a result of the changes, but I still think that Is It Phoenix will be near the top of the meta, because in some sense, uh, it is a deck with, it has so many cantrips that really you can't get away with a lot of mulligans in this deck because something like Thing in the Ice or Arclight Phoenix in your graveyard can undo a lot of mulliganing. So uh, being able to mulligan into your Faithless Lootings or Thing in the Ice and some cantrips is pretty powerful in the deck. Yeah. that See, like, that's definitely the thing. Like, Faithless Looting gets you to go through the deck and, like, also, like, the rest of the cards as mentioned, like Serum Vision's Opt, Thought Scour, Throwing Away Phoenixes is... One of the scariest things you could probably see. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I think even with the London Mulligan, Is It Phoenix is still going to be just fine. It's more of, like, what decks rise up and can try to keep it down. And I, I don't know what deck will do that I currently. Think out of Modern like- Horizons is the one thing that I think could make or break that or change things if anything new comes out in Modern Horizons. That's, no, that's a really good point. And we just don't really know. And maybe, like, looking at this format, I think the card that I want most is, it'll probably be a new card, because I can't think of an already existing version, but a some sort of one-mana main deckable graveyard hate spell would go a yeah, long like, way in this format towards actually slowing down phoenixes and dredges like almost like dryad militant but hitting on uh, all permanents or hitting on creatures rather than hitting on spells something like that would actually go a long way towards improving the meta i've seen some people say deathrite shaman i don't think we actually <laughs> want deathrite shaman unbanded modern but something similar to that that can fight the graveyard and be fast enough on turn one what about some sweet split cards kind of like how they were done in uh ravnica allegiances you know where they're like one side can just be something that deals with like 
graveyards entirely and then like for like you know like a one-off like exile all graveyards and then the other side can just be some actual useful spell yeah like if you had a a split card that was like path to exile and ravenous trap yeah that's i would be all about that is actually a really good suggestion that that might be the way you can do it is to tack on free or really cheap graveyard hate to something that is main deckable anyway I really like that idea, right. Grim. That's a good one. Yeah, like I think that'd be really cool. Just, I mean, because of the way they designed the split cards in Ravnica Allegiances, I really loved it. The way they designed, which is like where both, like one, you know, the front side is playable, and then the other half is just like, you know, it's these corner pocket cases, but it just allows you to have versatility in all your cards. So, Krim, before we move on and hit up all this fish mail, and we got a ton of it this week, uh, you're gonna go play modern. What are you going to play in this metagame? Is there anything that you think is particularly exciting for you to fight against? Uh, Phoenix decks, also dredge decks, I guess. And then the secondary categories, kind of like the ancient stirrings decks, I guess, are kind of the second tier with like Tron and Arden Scales <laughs> Affinity. What do you bring into a modern tournament in this meta? <laughs> me? Like you're asking me. Yes, you. I, you I, personally. I, you're going to okay, say yes for okay. control. I know it. <laughs> it's got to be okay. a fairy deck. <laughs> it, it <laughs> actually, like, yeah, like it is. I mean, I like playing the fair decks, so that's why. And my, my, my decks have been tuned to like fight against, uh, the, these decks, like the dredge and like, you know, the phoenix decks. I even play like settle the wreckage, right? Which helps against the phoenixes and having things like path to exile is a hard answer. And, you know, being on Esper allows me to also have like other removal spells, even cause like you'll see phoenix decks like just extract your path, right? And then yeah. after that, and then it's like, well, I'm out of path to exiles, so I can only what? condemn if i'm on blue white and stuff like that so uh but yeah i I, outside of like the fair decks not gonna lie to you i can't really beat them i'm probably gonna join them (laughs) gonna play some some phoenixes of your own (laughs) yeah that's how i beat the phoenix deck by playing the same deck and draw and like just doing that yeah just just draw more phoenixes (laughs) easy yeah like how can i how can i play faithless looting (laughs) Let's, let's ask that question uh, yeah, I've, I'm really high on Mono Red Prison right now. I feel like the metagame, uh, Mono Red Prison has been my pet deck for years now, and it's a deck that gets better and worse, mostly based on how good Chalice of the Void is in a format, and uh, it was really bad for like, I don't know, up until a few months ago for like a year. It just wasn't a great time for Chalice of the Void, but now with, uh, what we see in the top of the format now, Chalice of the Void is actually super good against Phoenix decks, uh, cool. assuming they don't drive, uh, Pyromancer's Ascension, which is like a one of maybe a two of but you could sorcerer spyglass that but i really i'm really high on mono red prison just like blood moon and snaring bridge chalice of the void really good at shutting down a lot of the best decks in the format right now you kind of hit on the tron decks you hit on the phoenix decks uh bridge is really tough for dredge decks to beat a lot of the time especially if you can sneak some graveyard hate into your main deck so that's kind of the deck that i'm working on and kind of tuning up for the meta right now yeah like that that's that's definitely true like i like, all the chalices right now that are running around are, are so powerful, especially on one. Like, just the sweet number right now is just chalice on one. Yeah. <laughs> You'd also make boggle players really sad if you if you put it on one <laughs> yes boggle players have the worst time that's that's what i used to love modern red prison the most it was back during uh around eldrazi winter time and in fact was a really big deck boggles and eldrazi yep. were really popular and 
boy, the combination, like, all the top decks in the format, they either were just stone cold to Blood Moon on turn two, or they just could not beat a Chalice on one, and oh, it was lovely. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, 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 not, not many things are coming out of Boggles, like Core Spirit Dancer, I guess, is the thing that you can do to get around it. <laughs> and Dryad Arbor, and that's about it. But all your enchantments are one, so you have to, like, <laughs> and yeah, in fact, oh, that, that felt so bad if you were on the Infect deck, except for, like, what, you only had Blighted Agent to, like, get around that? Yeah, you had And bl- your uh, Ink Moth. Yeah, and the, well, and most of your your pump spells are shut down, too, in your cantrip, so you're, like, trying to, <laughs> yeah. like, Ink Moth Nexus become a men. You're, like, casting spells into Chalice to get him in your graveyard to become a men, so that's your game plan. Yep. <laughs> and if they removed it after, you know, you're 30 for one, like, <laughs> like it, it does not feel good. Uh, all right, so that's modern. Let's move on and answer a bunch of fish mail. We have a ton this week, so we're going to spend the rest of the cast just plowing through as much as possible to make up for missing it last week. So if you'd like your own questions considered for a future uh, podcast, make sure to send them in on Twitter, hashtag MTGFishmail, and we will get to them uh, on future episodes. So anyway, uh, question number one from QDig on Twitter. Do you expect modern cards, paper, and MTGO to go up or down? down with such a major shakeup as modern horizons could create should i sell cards now or should i wait or does it depend on the decks or the cards so grim uh modern prices with this big shakeup uh, what's your take on that i would hold on to my cards things i mean yeah some things will go down if for some odd reason there's like some new cards that are printed that just completely hose a certain play style but at the same time you're some of these cards could spike up and like a lot of these cards will probably still retain their prices i think yeah i think i am in that camp too i think if anything i'm expecting modern horizons uh, to generate a lot of hype for modern and maybe bring some new players into the format which while yes some cards will go up some cards will go down i think the general trajectory is probably going to be up from hype for the set and maybe new players getting into the format based on the hype for modern horizons yeah 100% agree with that like just like modern horizons it's just like we have the two cards or whatever the the few spoilers we have and i don't know that i think i think a lot of things could happen there's a lot of potential so i i i would i'd say it's too early to sell anything yep i agree on that one uh next up crazy three drew on twitter uh i know there's not much known about modern horizons now do you think that wizards is going to try a new modern format on arena using horizons along with the current standard so do you think there's any chance we see Modern Horizons show up on Magic Arena, Grim? I don't think so. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Like, beyond, like but I just don't think so. Because, like, what else can you do with it? Like, you would play Modern Horizons and then, I mean, what, add the cards? How, how, how far back does it go? I think, like, Shadows over Innistrad? I think that's the the latest set that we know of, at least, yeah, is Shadows of Rinnistrad. Yeah, so it goes back. I mean, I guess this would be that modern arena, if you would, right? Like the non-rotating format of modern, uh, where I guess you could try to throw in Modern Horizons and see how it plays with like Shadows over and uh, Shadows over Instrad and forward, but I don't think it's coming to Arena. Yeah, I would lean towards not in the near future. I mean, there's always a possibility that. 
moving forward five years, ten years, who knows what's happening. Maybe Wizards decides to start backfilling sets towards actual modern, and then Modern Horizons would likely get in on that action. But at this point, uh, I'm not expecting that to happen in the near future. I think when they launch the Arena Modern format, quote-unquote, Standard Plus, whatever it is, I don't think it will have Modern Horizons or any non-standard sets, I guess. Sets that aren't already on Magic Arena. Yeah. I mean, I, but the cool thing is, you know, modern and how popular of a format it is on their sweet new client, you know, like, that'd be pretty cool if it could ever happen. Just saying. That would definitely be interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's such an interesting topic. I still wonder how formats like modern would work on Arena with like the timer and that, but. I will definitely give Wizards a lot of credit that Arena has been steadily improving uh, and getting better. Stuff that was really problematic before, like cracking treasure chests, or tra- treasures, not treasure yeah. chests, without timing out. Stuff like that has incrementally improved along Arena's life, so uh, maybe by the time they're ready to start putting Modern into Arena, the client will be more than ready to handle it. Yeah, I like. I think that... That kind of stuff can definitely be like fixed and kind of done away with for for like bringing modern. It's more how are we going to get people to like get a collection? That's that's the thing that I'm going <laughs> to be uh, watching closely if modern ever were like that. That that's the hardest part, right? How do we get all these cards and how do we get people to get all these cards? Yeah, I think my guess would be that if they did ever do it, it might be how they kind of did it on Magic Online, because Magic Online launched without having uh, all the cards for even Legacy when it first launched, and they just kind of released old sets a couple times a year, two to three times a year, and they were available for draft, and uh, you could draft and build your collection that way, and then, I guess on Arena, you'd be able to wildcard for stuff afterwards, so I assume they'd have to do it like that, like slowly backdate sets, really releasing two or three each year until eventually you have all the modern sets see like the the thing that is modern horizons now right i i think was something that they could have done to like bring to arena and then also just have like a bunch of reprints in them on arena like oh well there's like tarmogoyf staples because like let's not lie i mean yeah you do have to kind of make the old sets but like do i want everything (laughs) in some of these old sets no right i just want like a few cards yeah Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, it's interesting. I think that on the other hand, I think part of why modern is so popular is you can play so many janky decks and so many janky cards. So I've seen some people say, right. oh, we just like do a couple master sets with modern staples and that'll be arena modern. And that would be like, probably better than no modern-esque format, but I don't think you would capture the the feeling of modern where there's like 50 playable decks. I don't know if you can get there from doing master sets or modern horizon style sets. Yeah, that that is also true. Like, you know, like finding like, <laughs> like I think some of the funniest stuff in modern is when you find like this random sideboard card <laughs> that can like just dunk on somebody that you have no idea existed, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of the, the joy of the format for me at least. Yeah. Right. I, I definitely agree with that. It's <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Eleven Vicious says, uh, for a land cycle in Modern Horizons, what about legendary fetch lands? Pay two life, you fetch two basics of the fetch lands color, or how about a five color fetch where you pay three life to crack it? Would these be too good? I have to, my first, <laughs> my first, uh, response to this is, 
having legendary fetch lands does essentially nothing because your fetch lands don't stay on the battlefield. So I don't know how legendary is even really a drawback on your fetch lands, unless you're trying to like leave them out because you have Jace or something and you don't want to crack them. So I don't think that legendary is much of a drawback. Uh, yeah, fetching two lands sounds incredibly busted. The five color one, yeah. I mean, you can get so many colors with your fetches currently i don't know how big of a difference that would be but i definitely don't think you want fetch lands where you can search for two lands yeah de- definitely can't have that uh and much like you said the legendary rule doesn't matter because i very rarely ever keep my my fetch land on the board anyways um i i like that's the thing i don't know what you would do i mean i was kind of just hoping they'd reprint like you know the, the scalding tarns and all of those just in this set yeah well, so unfortunately, it sounds like we won't get any cards yeah. currently in Modern, but hopefully we'll get a reprint of those cards at some point, because Scalding Tarn, Misty Rainforest, those have been two cards that have been increasing in price. I think Scalding Tarn is back up older, over $100 now, which is basically <laughs> as high as it's ever been in its history, and it was last reprinted Modern Masters 2017, which is only a couple years ago, so... I mean, the demand is there, so... Yeah, uh, that's that's why I'm saying like modern is so popular. You know, just if they brought it onto arena. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Militia Bugler. When you are creating a deck list on the Goldfish website and showing specific versions of cards, how do you show foil basic lands from specific sets that are not promo art? I have no idea. I actually do not yeah. know the answer to this. This is the worst question for when Richard isn't here, because I think Richard would just be able to snap off the answer to this question, but I have never tried to put specific foil basics in one of my deck lists on Goldfish. I've never even tried to put, like, yeah, like, specific arts or anything. I don't I don't know if there is a way. I, I guess you'd have to figure out the set, right? And I don't know. There, Richard question. There, coding yeah. question for Richard. There is a way to... <laughs> I know how to add specific uh, versions of cards, but I'm not sure about doing it for foil basic land. So I'll try to remember this question. Uh, bring it back up next week when Richard is here. Next up, Captain Wow 26. I want to get my significant other to play magic with me. What are some ideas of how I can get her to enjoy the game I love with me? Ooh, what do you think, Grim? Ooh, um, personal. I mean, they I, they don't do dual decks anymore, but dual decks used to be sweet and like a good way to like get get like a significant other into playing. Um, also, just I mean, I guess if you wanted to, you could buy like with the announcement of the challenger decks, you just go nab one of those right for like twenty five thirty bucks. Yeah, you grab two of those and then just play each other on that. I mean, they're all. Like, just don't get the Golgari one, but like, all the other three are pretty sweet. So I, I would just run with those. Yeah, I, that's what I was gonna say too. Challenger decks, uh, the Planeswalker decks aren't super powered, but they are fine for like learning and casual play. The other thing is, Arena's really Ooh, good for this. Oh, Guild Kits, that's another really yeah. good option. Uh, and I've definitely seen uh, Arena be a good introduction for stuff. So I don't know, maybe do the dual decks or whatever uh, supplemental product you want to first, but then uh, maybe suggest some Magic Arena. You could even like draft together or something on Magic Arena, and it might be kind of fun, but that's a good way to introduce people to the game as well. Yeah. Next up, Lee Mike Lee 38 PAX East is coming up soon. Is is anyone from Goldfish going to be there? Well, Krim, I'll let you take this one (laughs) away. (laughs) Uh, I I will be there. I will be competing in the Mythic Invitational, so I will be... (laughs) trying to make sure I win that and other than, and if I immediately get stomped I will be running around and checking out all the cool games and everything that's always at PAX 
Uh, so I'll be on the floor and just running around, seeing what kind of magic-related things I can get into. Probably going to bring my EDH decks, too. Ooh, that's fun. Well, if uh, I guess, so either root for Krim to win the Million Dollar Tournament or root for him to scrub out so you can play Commander with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> One seems very, very nice. The other one's also still fun, but one seems very nice. <laughs> uh, I won't be there. I don't think anyone else from Goldfish will be there, except possibly... Uh, Matt, who does uh, some of our video editing, mentioned going down. So uh, I don't know if you know Matt Fletcher, but I think he said he was stopping down. But Tomer, me, and Richard will not be there. Uh, so I think if you want to catch the whole crew, uh, GP Vegas is definitely something we're planning on doing. So that would be the next one. And I think Tomer and I are planning on going to uh, GP Niagara Falls the end of April. So you could catch us there. Next up, Captain Wow 26. Which land art is your favorite? Lorowin cycle. Ooh, I am a Mirage person. Mirage basics are my all-time favorite basics. So, Lauren, that's a good I see, the new border kills it for me. I will not even consider any land that does not have old border. <laughs> I mean the the border. I guess I'm not I'm not taking that into account. I'm just thinking of the art. Just the art itself. Yeah. Those islands. This like I remember. I I still have it too. My my foil swamp, and it's the like it's like super like rainbow colored, and it, it's it's just the most gorgeous swamp ever. Uh, next up. Benjamin W. Uh, Benjamin W. Thigh. Benjamin T. When the London Mulligan rule is tested, what exactly needs to happen for it to be a new official rule? And if the rule is enforced, but certain decks in the format end up abusing it, will we see a reversal? This is a really good question, uh, and I don't think we know the official answer to this and what Wizards is looking yeah. for. My answer would be. Uh, I want to see modern look more or less the same. I feel for me, for the London Mulligan test to be a success and become an official rule, I want, I don't want to see a major impact on deck building, basically. If we see, uh, a huge impact on the number of lands people are running in decks, uh, the type of decks that are being played, I'm going to be skeptical of it becoming an official rule. Uh, on the other hand, if it does become a rule and certain decks are abusing it, my guess would be uh, that we would just see a lot of bannings. I think that that is... Yeah. If they put it into place, I can't imagine they're going to backtrack uh, in the future. I think instead they would just ban things that were problematic. Correct. And I, I'm all for the London Mulligan, so I, I hope that gets implemented. And then, yeah, then they just ban out the problematic things that can abuse that, uh, the London Mulligan. I'm still, I'm still skeptical personally, but I am very excited to see how it actually plays out. And I'm hoping that it, uh, goes smoother than I'm imagining. I mean, yeah, like, see, I, I don't play vintage or legacy, right? And like, when I think of it, I only play modern and standard. Yeah. And though, like, standard, I think it's going to be a blast, right? Like, I, I think that's going to be great for standard. And then in modern, I see where it can be problematic, but I'm excited for it. And I, I think it's still going to add a lot more play to, to like keeping hands in the opener. Like, can I, you know, what am I going to push back into the deck? All this other stuff. And like, it also makes a well, my opponent who will then be like, oh, well, you know, uh, he's probably digging for stony silence. So I need to have something for that. Or am I going to keep, am I going to keep this like hand that dumps all my artifacts or am I going to keep the hand that goes and digs for something that deals with stony silence, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, next up. Sandstorm 846. Now that we know which planeswalkers are going to be in War of the Spark, 
Are there any that you want to die? And are there any in specific that are your favorites that you want to live? <laughs> are there any Planeswalkers you're rooting, uh, rooting for to get the axe in War of the Spark Grim? Getting the axe? None specifically. Which one that I want to, like, just, like, <laughs> save the world, Tibble. I want, I seriously, I've been, I, I want Tibble to, like, just, like, like be the most broken planeswalker i want i want so that this way he could simultaneously be the best and worst planeswalker of all time like the, the jace the mind sculptor version of tibalt yeah like I, I i don't know like his he'd have five abilities plus one draw two discard one at random and then lightning helix why not uh, i think for me as far as Planeswalkers dying, I, I'm not really rooting against anyone uh, as far as hoping that anyone dies. I My guess would be that Gideon dies based on the trailer, but I'm not really rooting against anyone. And sadly, a lot of my favorite Planeswalkers are already dead. Uh, Venser is my all-time <laughs> favorite Planeswalker. Uh, I guess I hope Tezzeret lives. I really like Tezzeret as uh, one of my favorite Planeswalkers, so I guess I'm rooting for Tezzeret to, uh, to survive, but it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, I I want Teferi and Jace to live, but Tybalt is the truth. Right? Like Tybalt has to be the truth. That's, kinda, that's what I need. Now I kind of want Teferi to die, just to see what your reaction is on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a day off. <laughs> I need to process this. <laughs> Next up, Eldabin4610. With Modern Horizons on the horizon wink <laughs> do you think that we will nice. see stifle printed i actually just wrote an article about uh cards that could or could not be reprinted and my conclusion was that we probably don't want stifle in modern stifle is one of those cards when you read it you're like oh this is kind of cool i can like stop a planeswalker activation but really it's just stifle your fetch land on turn one and make you not play magic <laughs> i like the idea of stifle <laughs> I don't know how bad it will be for the format, though. <laughs> like, I don't think it's going to be miserable, right? I, I mean... People will adjust. So, I mean, yeah, right? Like, yeah, okay, I get stifled out of a, a fetch land, but, you know, and it'll feel bad the first time that it happens, but, you know, then you kind of hope to play around it, and, you know, how, how much blue is there anyways outside of Phoenix? You know, Phoenix will only have another one-mana spell to play. Next up, Doug Whitaker. Is it better to get a modern, uh, get into modern with a bad or cheap version of a deck that you want to play, uh, in this case, Miracles, or to get a good budget deck? Personally, I have had more success in modern playing optimal versions of rogue or budget decks than I have playing bad versions of tier decks. Uh, the problem with trying to make cheap versions of tier decks is usually it's the really expensive cards that make the deck work. So if you want to play Miracles, but you're like, all right, I'm not going to be able to afford Celestial Colonnade or Jace or Teferi, uh, I would rather just play a good budget deck than be in that position personally. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm all for, like, slowly building your main deck on, on the side while you just, I don't know, fling a bunch of burn spells or something like that, right? Because you could still just play mono red burn. Yeah, that and that's the other nice thing. If you buy a decent budget deck for $100, that's not going to really keep you from building towards a $1,000 tier deck that you want. Yeah. Uh, next question from Raynan Dark Rider. What is your favorite trap or gotcha card? 
I know mine. My my favorite by far is mana tithe. You can't do it in a deck that has blue mana. You gotta be you can't be a blue because then people expect uh you to have counter spells. But if you're in a non-blue deck and you counter something with mana tithe, it is the best. There's nothing better than your mono white deck just countering something. I, I think my favorite gotcha card would probably be Shadow of Doubt. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's another really good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mostly just cause like the meme, like everyone, like, you know, when you're playing modern and you crack a fetch and I was like, oh, what if I have shadow of doubt? Well, I actually do. So, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> to be able to say that you actually do, like the, the smile the opponent has from saying the joke immediately becomes a frown. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> All right. Last questions for the week. This one's from so much value says, what older car Cards that aren't legacy staples are you hoping for in Modern Horizons? Everyone's talking about the type cards that are already played in Legacy. So, Krim, uh, do you have any just pet cards that even if they're not good or staples or whatever, you would like to show up so you can play them in Modern? I'd have to think about that for a second because there's a lot. That's a lot of cards to, like, think back on. Yeah, that's definitely... I think for me, the cards that I would like to see that aren't really staples, they're not cards that are that are bad per se, but they don't really show up, uh, would be like Vindicate, I think is a big one. I think three mana kill anything, uh, including a Tron land would be pretty spicy and interesting in modern. Uh, Veteran Explorer is one of my favorite not top 50 legacy cards, but it's just, it creates such interesting deck building and uh, unique archetypes with how it ramps you. I think that would be a fun one. And then there's a ton of like tribal cards that would be interesting. Various like goblins and elves and uh, so forth that aren't really legacy staples by any stretch, but they might do a lot to improve those tribes in modern, like Gempom Incinerator, like that random zombie that you cycled me out with when we did <laughs> we did that one match. Gen yeah, it's like stuff like that would be really interesting to see what it did to modern. Yeah, I I, I don't know, Psychotog just for the fun of it. <laughs> that oh, that would be really interesting. Oh, speaking of Psychotog, you gotta have upheaval too. You gotta have Psychotog and yeah. upheaval just recreate <laughs> the old deck. You definitely I don't uh, you definitely can't play it, but I mean you can I mean you can play it, but <laughs> It won't be to the same effect that it once was. Yeah, I wonder if upheaval would be too good, or if it maybe it wouldn't upheaval, even be good at all. I mean, big mana decks, right? Like those ones that are going like Utopia Sprawl and like Arbor Elf Untap, make another man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could do that. That or that like upheaval, upheaval can definitely. <laughs> Yeah, Upheaval Tron could be a little, <laughs> little unfortunate and fun, uh, like not really fun to play against. But Psychotog, that won't matter. <laughs> Anyway, I think that brings us to the end of our fish mail. So again, if you'd like a question uh, showing up on a future podcast, make sure to tag it MTG Fishmail on Twitter and we'll get to more next week. So that also brings us to the end of episode 215 of the Goldfish Podcast. So, Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. Uh, check out their new course, The Art of Sideboarding. Super sweet. SpikesAcademy.com or Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So until next week, this is the crew signing out. <laughs>